You are now listening to Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Fregera. It's a podcast designed to bring awareness on intended or unintended crimes against humanity, how we can rise above it, claim our divine inheritance, and return the soul power to the people. Welcome to Soul Power to the People podcast. My name is Tess Fregera. And I have a question. Can you heal without medication? We've been highlighting on the show any and all crimes against humanity that separates us from our highest potential, from our pristine and vibrant health. For me, anything that separates us, anything that poisons our body, mind, and spirit is a crime in my books because it perpetuates victimhood, it perpetuates lack consciousness, and it perpetuates enslavement of humanity. So if you go to my website, soulpoweredleaders.com, you can check out the past interviews we have done and you will see that we have topics ranging from unconstitutional lockdown, and mandates because they have effects on the children and uh, the people. Um, We've covered genetically modifying our food, our DNA, our children, uh, and re-engineering them through our school system and also over-medicating them since birth. And so today I'm so excited to have Chris Kent, who I've known uh, in the past and who, like myself, learned how to heal body, mind without medication. So myself from depression and Chris, uh, you can confirm this, but you struggled with weight loss or with your weight for most of your life, right? And also undiagnosed ADHD? Yes, that's correct. Welcome to the show, Chris. I'm so so excited to have you. (laughs) It's so good to be here. It's so good to see you again. It's It's been a while, several years. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been, I was in California 2015 to 2017, uh, finding myself, uh, immersing myself in live events, and that's how we met each other. Yes. And uh, I remember this one special moment, and I'm pretty sure it was you, that you said we were partnered up, we were face to face. We were looking at each other in the eyes, very intimate, very, you know, it was like, it, it could have been confronting, but I was partnered with you and you left me crying. Do you remember that at all? Mm. I have a, I, a vague memory of it. And I, and I believe I remember it was that ultimate relationship retreat. And, mm-hmm. and was, it, was it when we did the beauty that I see in you? Yes, exactly. I cried and um, it's the things that you've been longing to hear from someone, you said it to me. Mm. You know, it was all an appreciation, uh, unrequited love and all that. In that moment on, you said those words to me and I was crying because, oh my God, finally someone who can see me i don't know if you just had the gift of gab uh to say those words to me but that at that moment it was exactly what i needed to open up to love to open up to more so thank you for that did did you know that you had that much impact 
I've, I've got, I've got chills hearing you say that. And, and no, I, I didn't know that I had the impact. And I think, um, I think maybe what it was, was I was just inspired and, uh-huh. you know, spirit was moving through me and, and the right words came through and, and I'm so glad it had that impact on you. I, I, I had no idea. Yes, because we live for so long, just dying to hear words of appreciation and recognition, recognition of our soul. And you stood there in front of me and you were reflecting back to me what I needed to hear to open up to more of that soul. So thank you for that. And wow. I was so excited to see your name in, uh, in, a, uh, in a private group that we, we both are in. And I, I saw that you were an ADHD expert and I'm like, I gotta have you on my show. And so thank you for saying yes. And why did you say yes, Chris? Well, I think first was there was the invitation and, uh, and the recognition that we knew each other and in just our previous experience. And, uh, and something just really resonated me about, with me about soul power. And mm. uh, that's that really at the, the heart of the work that I do, it's very similar to what you do. It's, it's helping people take back their power uh, so that they can live a life of abundance and health. Mm-hmm. So w- exactly. when I got the call, I, I, I said, yes, let's do this. So what crime against humanity can't you shut up about? Well, there are a couple, and uh, I, I think as many people know, we are experiencing an obesity epidemic, and uh, mm. this is something that, you know, I, I struggled with my weight for many, many years, and uh, I think we're being done a great disservice in the way that, uh, especially children, are, are introduced to food and how they relate to food, um, but also just mental health, emotional health. Uh, we're not really addressing those in the way that's needed on a deep level for people to thrive. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think just starting with that. And then also, you know, um, one of the stats that I work with is that uh, about 75% of people, it's estimated that about 75% of people with adult ADHD don't even know it. Mm. So, so there are so many people out there that are struggling with their life. Um, and it's very connected with weight that we can, we can dive into that. But there are so many people that are struggling uh, with undiagnosed ADHD and they have no clue. And um, with just a couple of simple steps, they can improve their life greatly. Uh, and this is part of my story too, because I, I didn't learn uh, until later on in adult life that I have ADHD. Yeah, um, it, it's something that is foreign to me I was blessed with very uh academic children who can sit still and learn and absorb but they're also very artistic so I I, I, for myself I um I didn't experience that restlessness till my dark night of the soul um Mm -hmm. you know which started with cosmic two by force in 2009 and then I thought I got okay, I got myself together again. And then 2012, you know, this is the, the deep, 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 excruciating pain of the dark night of the soul, which is I'm hearing also happened with you. You had uh, several years of uh, hitting a wall. Um, yeah. Well, so can you introduce yourself to us uh, properly? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, so let me just talk a little bit about that period of my life. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so I, and, and like you said, uh, you know, your, your children are, are very artistic and they, 
uh, can sit still and, and things like that. And uh, that was also the case for me. You know, um, I could hyper focus in the classroom. I always got great grades. I was always on the dean's list. I was uh, in all kinds of extracurricular activities and excelled at them. Uh, I was the head of many organizations. And um, so my ADHD went undiagnosed. Part of the issue is we have a misconception that everybody with ADHD is, um, is hyperactive. Disruptive. Mm -hmm. Disruptive and hyperactive, yeah. Um, and I think part of it is the terminology that we use because it's, it's hyperactive. It's in the title, right? It's attention mm -hmm. deficit hyperactive, right? Mm -hmm. So, but what's confusing about that is there are different subsets of that. And the one that I have is called inattentive. And that's what was formerly known as ADD. Mm -hmm. So this makes it really hard to identify people uh, and, and to get a proper diagnosis. Well, I, I can relate to that because I'm always uh, checked out in the heavens, you yeah. know, daydreaming. Um, yeah, I wasn't listening at all. Uh, I was lost in my daydreaming world out there. I'm uh, always in the clouds. Yeah, well, and that's that's a sign of inattentive ADHD is yeah. a lot of times you're distant or dreamy, or somebody could be talking with you, and you're yeah. you're somewhere else. You're I'm somewhere else, yeah, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. uh, and and so so that was definitely me. And just because of my um, my academic life and my extracurricular life, and the fact that I was very driven, um, it was hard to pick up on that fact that I have attention deficit disorder. Uh, and so later in life, when I got it out into the real world and got a job. Uh, and I wasn't structured in my everyday life with school, then things started to become a problem. Uh, and mm. I started to have a lot of depression. I was self-medicating with food and alcohol. Um, my sleep patterns were terrible. And I was just stressed out all of the time. And it was like this for about five or six years. And at a certain point, my body just said, no more. Like, you, you can't push yourself any more than you've been doing. And it was literally overnight, I had a breakdown. And it was a neurological breakdown. Uh, so mm. I went from being driven, healthy, although I was about 65 pounds overweight, um, to just I couldn't get out of bed, I had no energy, I couldn't even keep my balance. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I was a music I major. So a lot of my life revolved around being on stage, uh, but bright lights mm. were an issue all of a sudden. Like I couldn't handle bright lights or loud noises. Um, and I couldn't even pass a field sobriety test sober. Like that's how bad it was. So I went through about three years. What? You can't pass a sobriety. You are sober and you can't even pass it. That's right. That's interesting. Okay. That's right. Keep going. Yeah, I know. So, and I, and I saw a doctor and he gave me a field sobriety test and said, look, man, you, you, you can't even pass this. Like if you get pulled over, they're going to think that you're intoxicated. Like that's how bad your nervous system is. Like that's how bad my shutdown was. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was about three years where I was in and out of doctors, just trying to figure out what was going on with me. And I had the idea that Western medicine had it covered. Like they, they would figure it out in a heartbeat and they would tell me what to do and they'd be able to fix it. But as time went on, uh, I became more and more frustrated as specialist after specialist couldn't give me any answer. Uh, and I was poked and prodded and all kinds of tests were done, but no answers. And then finally in the end, they just threw their hands up and said, 
well, we don't know, uh, you might as well be on antidepressants. So we tried antidepressants for, for a while, uh, which we can talk about uh, as well. But um, so anyway, there was about this three year period where I, I, I didn't know if I was going to live through it. It was that mm -hmm. bad. Yeah, I and can I had, totally relate to that. Mm -hmm. And this is when I was 27, um, which seems to be a number for a lot of people. Like, you know, when you get to 27, there's this big event in your life where it's, you know, you have to decide which way you're going to go. And you're lucky I was 45. <laughs> yeah. Or something like that. In my, in my 40s, my first onset of depression, and then I kept pushing through anyway. I didn't listen. Um but yeah, lucky at 27. Um, in, in a lot of ways, yeah. I, I Looking back now, I can see it as being lucky because um, if this would have happened later in life, I, I really don't know if I would have come through it. Uh, but I did have youth on mm. my side. which was really good. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, during this three-year period, I, I had to make a decision. Am I going to live or am I just going to give up? And I knew the Western medicine model wasn't helping me. And I, I had to just How really, did you know? Well, just from my experience, um, you know, three years of being in doctor's offices and they, they couldn't tell you anything that was wrong with you, even though clearly something was severely wrong with me. Um, that was my evidence. So did and, you fire your doctors like I did? <laughs> <laughs> Going I, I, to the doctor was more depressing to me than, you know, anything else, because they kept like you, they kept prodding or, you know, I had uh, a golf size uh, thing in my uterus, um, which they keep keeping an eye on. And I'm like, okay, stop. If I die, I die. Yeah. yeah. Stop, because it's more depressing. Um, and I raised my kids to be independent because of that. I thought I was going to die. And like, I'm like, stop, you know, because the trip to the doctor was more depressing than anything else. They were putting fear in my mind. Keep going. Right, right. And I think that's another crime against humanity because I was programmed from a very early age that, you know, surgery and uh, pharmaceuticals, those were the things that would make you healthy. And, uh, and, and those are kind of like after the fact band-aids for what's really going on. And so once yeah. I started to come around to this, I said, I believed that there was a way for me to heal. I just didn't know what that was. And I, the evidence that I had from the Western medicine model was that the answer was not there. So I had mm -hmm. to just keep going, keep digging. And, uh, and I remember, so I, sh I share on my Facebook page a lot about my before and after photo. Um, and the, the before picture was actually the day that I had a realization. And I was on the beach in Pensacola, Florida, and I thought to myself, this might actually be the last vacation I can ever take just with my health and, and how bad everything has been. And I was looking down and I had a jar of cookie butter. I don't know if you know what cookie butter is, but it's a, it's a thing they sell at Trader Joe's. It's kind of like Nutella, but uh, like gingerbread cookies is what it tastes like. Okay. 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 So, so I reached in the beach bag. I got out the, the, the cookie butter. I didn't have a fork or a spoon or a knife. So I was digging around and I got a candy bar to dig it out with and I'm eating it <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what? This might be an issue for me. This might actually be a problem. And, and none of the doctors had said, look at your lifestyle, change the way you eat. Nobody ever once recommended that to me. Um, so I'm looking down and I'm like, 
this, this is probably an issue. So I, I made the commitment right there. I said, you know, I'm, I'm open to the answer and I'm open to making some changes in my lifestyle. Uh, wow. About two weeks later, I saw one of my good friends for the first time in about a month and he had lost about 15 pounds. And I said, what are you doing? Like share your secret. And he told me that he had been drinking green juice. And I mm -hmm. said, okay, I have, I have no idea what that is, but I'm open to I'm it. In. So I'm <laughs> in. So, so I, I got the cheapest juicer I could find and just started putting in fruits and vegetables, actually not vegetables because um, I had a really severe reaction to vegetables, like a gag reflex. And it's not mm. that I wanted, didn't want to eat vegetables. It was just psychologically or physiologically, I couldn't get them in my, my system. Mm -hmm. um, so the juicing was a good way around that. So I just put a little bit of spinach or a little bit of kale, uh, enough to where I could get it in my body, but not taste it. And instantaneously, my body came alive. Um, mm. I, I, I felt this jolt of energy. My blood was oxygenated. My brain was getting the nutrients that it needed. And I said, okay, I'm sold on this. Uh, let me, let me follow this path. So that right there, that led me down the path of learning about nutrition. And the more I studied nutrition and the more I was able to adapt, uh, better eating habits, the weight started to come off and my body started to heal. Mm. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. So what did you do with your undiagnosed ADHD or how did you even find uh, that you had it? Because yeah, the doctor, so, the doctors raised their hands, right? They weren't unable to diagnose you. They weren't. And, uh, and, and really that came later in life um, mm -hmm. within the, within the past year really is when that happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and there were a couple of breadcrumbs that I followed that, that were really telling um, so one mm -hmm. was uh, an aversion to food. Some people will call it picky eaters, um, but there's a thing with texture and taste that just wasn't working with me that can be indicative of having ADHD or neurodiversity. Um, just looking back over the, my adult life, trouble planning, trouble following through with things, uh, those were mm -hmm. some indicators. Um, and then also another thing um, is stimming. So there's a thing called ADHD stimming, like it's, it's short for stimulation. Mm. Uh, so people with ADHD typically have dysregulation of dopamine. And so uh, once you stem either through fidgeting or humming or tapping your foot or something like that, uh, you start to kind of offload that energy and you get a dopamine hit. Uh, oh, so, okay. So looking back, I realized I was chewing gum all the, all the way through school. Like before every test, I would just intuitively put gum in my mouth and it would focus my mind. Uh, but a lot of people do that in other ways too. They might do it with food. So mm -hmm. uh, a, lot of, a lot of the clients I work with, they have an issue with their weight because they just can't stop snacking. And <laughs> it's not only that they're snacking, but it's the quality of the snack. Um, right. And they don't realize that they're snacking in order to regulate the chemistry in their brain and to calm mm. their nervous system. Right, right. Wow. Wow. So you just discovered this in, wow, that's that's a huge connection right there. Because with everything you're saying about uh, ADD anyway, because um, I can be hyperactive too, but I really enjoy my, my low-key moments too, because I could be a 
permit, but I can also be on the stage hosting karaoke. I, I do that on right. the side, did you know? <laughs> I, I didn't so, know that. No. Yeah, I do. So I can be with people right front and center, but the introverted me, I have to have something to do. I can't just be with people. It was very, very uncomfortable for me to be at URR, to be at Tony Robbins events in big, huge crowds. But what was uh, my takeaway from those experiences was I could feel people people's energy. I could feel yeah. the oneness, even though I didn't like being in the middle of a big, unless I have something to do, I'm, unless, you know, I'm assisting the event or whatever. Um, it's it's really interesting. So you just perfectly described something called ADHD doubling or body doubling, and this is really? something that this is something that that I've experienced. It's like when you get into the energy and the flow of the group, uh, uh -huh. you start to vibrate at the same level as the people around you, and 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 this is this is really a thing for for people with ADHD. Like if you struggle to get things done or follow through with tasks. Uh, maybe you live by yourself, or maybe you're kind of like a hermit. I, I'm I'm kind mm -hmm. of like a hermit myself. I'm very introverted. Um, maybe sometimes your house is really messy. And it's... <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but I learned to forgive myself on that. I was uh, I was talking to another guest last week about this um, because on the DISC assessment, the ISE, high eyes, and I I scored really high on I are messy, uh, cluttered people. Yeah. I'm like, okay, whew, I can breathe and, and I can embrace that as, as a part of me and then clean up later, but not, oh my God, you know, I can't keep my house clean. I can't keep, you know, because there was a time when I was a single mom, I had to keep the house in order or the children will have accidents. <laughs> Absolutely. step on things and stuff but when they started uh messing up too i'm like uh you are old enough to pick up uh, no longer my responsibility that's your mess this is my mess kind of thing <laughs> but it always bothered me it's like i'm not a good mom yeah there's something wrong with me but yeah yeah and, and it doesn't mean that you have adhd if that's what your your home environment looks like uh but you know, if you struggle with it and then you notice that if somebody is doing the same activity while you're doing it and all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, now I have the energy and the will and the mm -hmm. want to do it. That's uh, body doubling or mirroring, which could be a, wow. which could be a sign. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because I, I, that's part of my story too was procrastination, really getting myself fired uh, you know I'm getting paid to do something done and I'm not doing it I'm like what are you doing Tess yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I, I tried to willpower myself to doing things and I, I just couldn't I couldn't I, I really broke down kind of like you your experience too well it's it's difficult to have willpower uh, and drive I think when your dopamine levels are low it really mm. is and so for me procrastination has been a lifelong journey um, you know, like, like I said, I, I was always, uh, always had the best grades, always on the Dean's list. Um, but I would wait until the last minute just because there was something in my brain that got more dopamine when I waited into the last minute to do it. Yes. Yes. Adrenaline hit is what I call it too. I crammed the night before when, um, yeah, so I would daydream, um, uh, 
and you know if there are pop quizzes mm -hmm. i would i would not score a hundred percent or anything um but the major exams i would be up all night cramming reading several chapters just to ace that exam and that's how i got into dean's list myself and oh uh, yeah oh yeah graduated with honors that was my technique and thank god i did it i mean i used to be able to memorize but i i couldn't remember what it was i memorized a few days later exactly right so it's like you you didn't internalize it so how much did you actually learn like you learned enough to to do the test but then it's gone yeah. And, and, and I've done the same thing. Uh, I, I can think back to several times during finals week where I would stay up the night before and read like three chapters and cram it all into my brain and then go take the test. And then mm -hmm. one time in particular, at the end of my junior year, I stayed up three nights in a row, no sleep. I was writing papers. I was studying for exams uh, because I waited so long. I, I didn't put in the work throughout the semester uh, because I wasn't motivated to do it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to get the dopamine hit if I just did little chunks, or at least that's what I thought. Uh, but then I, 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 I did. I stayed up for three nights in a row, and who knows what kind of damage that did to my brain. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I look back on that and say, well, may, maybe is that a thing that was lying dormant in my brain that uh, accelerated my breakdown? I don't know, but I'm, I'm sure it didn't help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whew. That's interesting. So what's now happening with our kids at school? Because uh, there's been a surge in like almost everyone has, almost everyone's kids. I know uh, they are either asking if uh, Ritalin is good for their kids or they're putting their kids on Ritalin, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your take on that? Well, uh, I have been a school teacher for about seven years. Uh, in, a, mm -hmm. in a previous uh, career. Um, and I, five of those were in the elementary and preschool level. Uh, so mm -hmm. I did see from the beginning of, of my teaching through towards the end that there was a huge uptick in children that were being diagnosed and, and given these medications. It's kind of a mixed bag. I, I think some kids, it is helpful. Um, I, what I've seen is that a lot of children maybe they haven't gotten the balance right of the medication. So I, I'm thinking of one student in particular, he was very disruptive, like he was standing on his chair and just, uh, you know, shouting out all of the time and couldn't stay focused. Uh, and they, they took him to a specialist and they got him on some medication. After that point, though, he had a complete shift. And I think he was on too much. Uh, because at that point, he wasn't participating at all. In fact, he was like a zombie um, yeah. and, and he looked pale and he huge bags under his eyes and he, he looked like he just didn't feel well, you know? So I, that's one thing I worry about with children, especially is, is getting the right dosage, um, especially because their brains are just developing and, and we're putting them on um, a lot of times, you know, methamphetamine uh, to, to try to get them to behave and to focus. So I think that that's really problematic. Um, but then also the other part of that is I think a lot of children are put on medication prematurely. Uh, and what mm -hmm. I mean by that is we are completely jumping over any of the holistic things that might help uh, mm -hmm. and going straight to the medication. So I'm thinking of things like diet and nutrition, um, getting proper exercise, 
proper sleep, um, checking mm -hmm. in with their mental and emotional health, and just starting there. And I, I think if, if we started there and had programs for children that addressed all of those things, um, maybe some of them wouldn't have to be on pharmaceuticals. Yeah, and presence. Kind of like the exercise we, you know, you and I participated in, we were talking about earlier, presence, just uh, even though parents are busy with their stressful lives, um, quality time with kids one-on-one, -on -one, just pure presence, undivided attention without the phone, that goes a long way. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could go back because I was a single mom to my kids. I wish I knew then because I was also multitasking. And, and that's probably, you know, multitasking is another form of uh, ADD, right? It's, it's, a, it's a platform. It's a vehicle to express that hyperactivity. And yeah. that was me. I was doing this. I was doing that. You know, there was no boundaries between work and home uh, in my life back then, which led to my burnout. But what I'm saying is um, it's really important to uh, make a decision to be present with your loved one. Uh, as a child of an alcoholic, that that was, uh, you know, the emotional presence uh, is really important more than uh, the drugs. I think it's it's what heals. What do you think about that? I I would agree, and I I think you know, going back to pharmaceuticals being a Band-Aid for a lot of people. And I think that's mm -hmm. symptomatic of just the world that we live in now in the 21st century. And, you know, the parents have responsibilities with work and they're tired and they're stressed out and they send their kids to school just hoping that they're gonna get a good education and a good learning environment. Uh, and then they all come back at the end of the day at, at home. And it's like people are burnt out and tired and not focused. and there's a million things going on. And like, how, how many internal resources do they actually have to give that presence? And it's, mm -hmm. it's tough, it's, it's, it's a real challenge, but I think you're on the right track with that for sure. I think if you're able to really sit with your child and, and give them the attention and focus that is needed, um, mm -hmm. I, I think that that goes light years above and beyond uh, what a lot of kids are getting right now. Yeah, so from a coaching perspective, um, you know, that inner child healing is a huge part of what I do. I don't know if you do that with your clients, but yeah, self-love, returning to self-love. Um, and and these are all from, again, unrequited love, un, unrecognized feeling, you know, being ignored, neglect. Uh, mm -hmm. Those are very harmful uh, to our kids. And they're, I don't know. Um, a part of me is saying maybe it's not ADHD, but a cry for help, a cry for attention because they're not feeling loved and appreciated. Absolutely. And that's true across the board for the people that I work with. Um, at some uh -huh. point, we always do inner child work. And I think really at the, the core of what's going on is a, a wounded inner child. And yes. they, they've, they've adopted behaviors to feel safe and to feel loved. And a lot of uh -huh. times those behaviors are directed towards food, you know, like comfort. Uh -huh. um, so when we start to peel back the layers and say, all right, let's take some time and let's go deep and find your inner child and ask them what they truly need. And a lot of times it's what you're saying. It's, it's love, it's acknowledgement, it's presence. And mm -hmm. if you can give that to yourself as an adult, mm -hmm. uh, as the adult that was never there to give that to you, 
and start to heal that relationship, that what I've seen is that is, is where a lot of the momentum can start to build for changing your life. Um, mm -hmm. And if you don't address that, then you're most likely going to still be acting out subconsciously in ways that you're not aware of, uh, ways that are going to affect your health negatively. Mm -hmm. So, okay, uh, Thai um, obesity and ADHD and weight gain, you know, like you really paint a picture for us. How, how, how is it connected and what can we do about it if, uh, if it's something the audience uh, would benefit from? Absolutely. So, um, so the connection is that uh, people with ADHD, uh, both hyperactive and inattentive type, they're five to 10 times more likely to struggle with their weight. And, uh, you know, so like I said, about 75% of adults, it's estimated that uh, have it, don't know it. So I mm -hmm. think that there's a, an awareness piece and just looking at your behaviors around food. Um, this can be the first step in, in questioning and just saying like, you know, maybe I do have ADHD. Um, and so some of those behaviors would, would look like um, stimming, uh, mm -hmm. using food, excessive snacking as a way to calm yourself. Uh, sometimes it's even a, a way to feel love. Uh, another mm -hmm. way would be, and this might sound weird to somebody who doesn't have ADHD, but forgetting to eat. Forgetting to eat. Forgetting to eat. Oh, huh. Okay. Uh, so the way that works is that's that's too foreign a concept for me. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> well, there, there's a couple of reasons for that because uh, people with ADHD oftentimes struggle with interoception, which is understanding your body your body signals uh, for hunger or understanding your emotional state. Um, so a lot of times, you're aware that your body is trying to tell you something, but you're not quite sure what that message is. And so you can mm -hmm. overlook hunger. Um, and so another way that that can play out is maybe you are hyper-focused on work or a project or an activity. And once you get into that hyper-focused state, it's like the rest of the world disappears. Um, so you might intend to have a meal, but you just, you get going and it's like hours and hours and hours can pass. And then all of a sudden you're, you're feeling really terrible in your body and you're not even sure why. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but, but then when you take a pause, you can say, oh, I'm probably hangry. You know, my blood sugar has, <laughs> has dropped. Yeah, to the point. actually, the more you describe it, uh, it sounds, uh, it sounded familiar. That was me a while back before I learned about self-love, um, now I, I really have uh, something because I don't want to be all that shaky. I, I, I remember feeling shaky out of hunger. I would find a coffee in the microwave that I reheated and reheated and reheated. And I never took a sip from because I would forget. It was just all um, like a habit, you know, yeah. doing it uh, unconsciously. Okay, here's coffee, warm it up, go back to work and then you know, a couple hours later, go to the bathroom, oh, where's my coffee? Oh, it's, <laughs> you know, but I, I never got to drink the coffee. And by the way, I don't microwave things anymore, but this was, it feels like a long time ago, like another life. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. 
and so and, and then here's here's how this can shake out so once you get to the point where you're feeling shaky and you've forgotten to eat and it's been hours and hours um your blood sugar can get so low that you need to get a quick source of glucose yes. and so what is that going to be it's normally going to be something high in sugar or high in carbohydrates so that you mm -hmm. can start to regulate your blood sugar again and feel normal mm. and even deeper than that um, people with ADHD struggle with dopamine uh, dysregulation. So our brains will process glucose at a slower rate than, uh, than the neurotypical brain. Uh, so what that means is sometimes we require a little bit more food or a little bit more um, sugar, we'll say, in the form of glucose, just to make the brain feel normal and just to, to upregulate dopamine and serotonin. Uh, so just keeping all of that in mind, like if you're, if, if you forget to eat, um, you might feel like you're, you're, you're cooked. And, you know, so that, that is the opportunity then for you to uh, usually eat fast food or, or something in the kitchen that is really high in sugar or carbohydrates that's going to promote weight gain. Um, and then okay. you, typically, you typically overeat at that point too, just because you're so famished. Right, right, right. So question for you, uh, you talked about dopamine hit. So how can someone regulate that without medication? There are a lot of ways. So uh, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak from my personal experience. I love mm -hmm. breath work. Mm. Just focused breathing for a certain amount of time. Uh, that will tend to calm the nervous system and, and just make your brain feel better overall. So that's one way that I use. Uh, exercise is another way. Um, and then being able to focus on tasks that you really enjoy. I think that's another mm -hmm. part of it. Uh, so I talk a lot about some of the struggle in, in changing your lifestyle for people with ADHD is that there's the concept of what's important for me and what's important to me. And sometimes hmm. those two things are at odds, right? So for example, if you're overweight and you, you're thinking that you need to change your diet or your exercise, um, that could be important for you. And that's something that maybe society has told you or that your doctor has told you. But if it's not important to you, meaning that there's no intrinsic value for you to do that, yeah. that is mm -hmm. going to be an ongoing struggle. Right, right, right. So then we look at, well, how do you start to bridge that gap? Um, because usually people with ADHD are going to go for things that are important to them. And, and that's mm -hmm. where you can see like mindless scrolling on social media or YouTube videos, or just doing things that have nothing to do with the tasks that they're supposed to do. It's because that's important to them, not mm -hmm. what's important for them. Oh my um, God. <laughs> that's how I found Tony Robbins and like... <laughs> I'm so, I was procrastinating. I'm like, uh, it's important to master this. You know, how do I master my mind back? Right. Tony Robbins. <laughs> Hours later, I still haven't done the project. Right. And then that can lead to a huge shame spiral and beating yourself mm -hmm. up. Like, well, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get it? Why is everybody else doing it? Well, I think part of the issue is you haven't found that place of intrinsic value. Like you haven't taken ownership of it. Somebody's telling you to do it, but you're not doing it because it's not important to you. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Um, up until recently, I hated going to the gym. 
I, I, I felt, it, I felt it was abuse, you know. Oh, what's the saying? No pain, no gain. Like, why would I? I, I love dancing instead. You know, I love to get yeah. my exercise through dancing. But with the lockdown in the past two years, there, there was only a few, oh, not even, uh, places that I could dance. Um, so anyway, uh, I lost that mobility. So mm. earlier this year, I'm like, I woke up with I, like a Barbie doll with, with you know, like I felt that this would come off any minute. I, I couldn't, I couldn't lift anything. I couldn't walk. Um, it was a very scary. And I had to make a commitment that it was important to me to do some stretches at the gym. So that's, it wasn't yeah. important for me before because I had other things that I could exercise with you know natural ways um instead of going to the gym with, with the harsh machines now it's right. like oh this is like yoga and opening my chakras through <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had to uh, shift uh my perspective on it to make it work with me <laughs> absolutely so it sounds like you found something that was enjoyable and you were committed to doing it and and that is a recipe for consistency and success you know, like if, if it's not important to you and maybe you're at a level three or four or five to make change, it's not going to happen. It's not gonna happen. But if you're at a level nine or 10 and you just have to make change right now, that's important to you. And the chances of yeah. you following through are going to be really high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so for the kids that are overly medicated, what are mm -hmm. your advice to parents? um, you know, misdiagnosis or over drugging our children. I really believe that there's something going on, uh, to that respect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say just going back to what you said before, be present with your children, really understand where they are emotionally and mentally, uh, mm -hmm. and, and get a sense of that have open communication with your therapist, if they have one, um, and really track, their behavior from day to day and week to week just to see if there are any changes. Um, and then I would say also in, in the same breath, like really focus holistically on diet nutrition. Um, I think a, a crime against humanity, just from my experience as being a teacher, is uh, what kids are allowed to eat. I mean, the school lunches are terrible. A lot of them are just full of sugar. Um, you know, they consider that Fruit Loops and Lucky Charms is going to be a healthy breakfast. You know, it's it's ridiculous. Um, and all of that sugar overload is leading to hyperactivity. And I think a lot of children are being misguided. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, because there's a reason most children are, are hyperactive nowadays. It's because of this, the food that we're giving them. Absolutely. So it's it's a combination of food. Um, sedentary lifestyle. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's a combination of, you know, we just got through, well, I, I guess officially they declared the pandemic is over. Uh, so I guess I can say that, you know, we've moved out of the pandemic. Uh, but that, from what I've seen, that has taken a very huge mental and emotional toll on students mm -hmm. uh, in a way that a lot of people don't even understand. So children are burdened with a lot more stress, both emotionally and mentally. And there aren't a lot of resources right now for those children to, um, you know, to be helped with that. 
So I think just paying attention to that. And then also screen time, you know, like when, when I was growing up, isn't that a dopamine hit too? the screen? It can be, it can be. Yeah. And like the number of likes, Ooh, somebody liked my post, the likes, the comments, the shares, all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is a dopamine hit. Um, you know, and then also just the, the way that social media is set up with the reels and the, the short video clips, like it's designed to keep you engaged and to keep the dopamine flowing. So you just go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And before you know it, you've spent like a whole hour on there. But the problem with that is, you know, the waves that are coming out of the screen, uh, the blue light waves, they're very disruptive to brain patterns. Um, very disruptive to sleep patterns as well. So like if you're staring at a screen for four or five hours a day, it's going to be disruptive to your sleep as well. Um, so what I recommend is just being very mindful of screen time. Um, so the screen emits blue waves and there's also EMF, right? That's yeah. totally separate, right? Uh, Electromagnetic frequencies. Well, there, there, there's both. Yeah. And I don't know if they classify the blue wavelength in EMF or not. Um, okay. I, I'm not sure about that, uh, but I do know that it is a brain disruptor. And so the yeah, because even if you're not looking at your screen, let's say if you just put your phone in your uh, pocket right here, it can affect your heart. They they say don't put your the phone near your body at all. Yeah. But of course, we're walking around. I, I mean, I'm walking around because it's my business in yeah. my palm, right? So right. We, we've they become, got us hooked. Well, <laughs> they got we, us hooked. We, this is the first step in human beings becoming bionic. It really is. Like, it's, it's an yeah. appendage. And it's, you know, so, um, and I also think we, we've, we've kind of, got we've gotten up to date as a society about smoking and the dangers of smoking and a lot of people have dropped that habit you know thinking back to the 80s and the 90s and, and beyond um, smoking is a way to get a dopamine hit mm. same as our technology so in my view we've replaced one bad habit for the other the only problem is now these are available to children mm -hmm. exactly Exactly. Uh, very young toddlers. Yeah. Uh, okay. So anything else you want to share? Um, like how, how can we even, uh, how can we raise awareness on undiagnosed ADHD, weight gain, diabetes? Because diabetes too is uh, what number, is, I don't know how, what number one, number one killer is uh, wrong diagnosis, medical yeah. mistakes is the number one killer. Where does diabetes um, come in? It, it's towards the top. I, I don't know exactly which number it is, uh, but it's up there, to, you know, with cancer, obviously. And, and, and one of the things about type two diabetes, it's, it can lead to dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, in fact, dementia and Alzheimer's are uh, also called type three diabetes. Uh, so there's really? a, there's a very clear progression with those things. And, and again, another crime against humanity is that is something, type 2 diabetes, that is something that is uh, preventable through lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and they so, say it's not. 
they say it's not and and people i have a uh, i have a friend who defended his son's type 2 diabetes no it has to be this way i'm like okay well it it comes from uh insulin resistance at which you know if you're eating sugar after sugar after sugar if your diet is just loaded with sugar it's it's going to make your your pancreas stop working properly so it's, mm. it's one of the chronic diseases. And what we know about chronic disease based off of epigenetic research is that about 95% of chronic diseases are preventable or reversible with lifestyle. Right. You know, and, right. and there's something called metabolic syndrome. Uh, and what metabolic syndrome is, it's, it's a, a classification of chronic diseases that travel with obesity. And type 2 diabetes is one of those. So this is also a reason why... Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people like to say, you know, if you're, if you're overweight, there's no big deal with that. Uh, but there really is a lot of health concerns with that. And mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't do anybody a, a, a service to sugarcoat that. Uh, like we have to be honest about that. And so what I found is if you can address the things that are driving the weight gain, you can start to also reverse chronic disease as well, including type two diabetes. Okay. So can you summarize it for us um, step-by-step step, uh, or, or wrap it up? Um, how, how would you, like what's a step-by-step -step solution or where would you start? Um, and then walk us through what we've talked about so far in, in a way that is easily understandable because I kept doing this to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and actually, I and I love that just the way my brain is wired. I would love to just kind of jump around and, and, then, and then. Yeah, yeah. if you can piece it uh, together for us nice and neat, <laughs> it would yeah, be helpful. Absolutely. Well, just to put it in a nutshell, that uh, people with uh, that struggle with their weight, uh, who are, sorry, let me rephrase this. So people with ADHD who struggle uh, struggle with their weight at five to 10 times uh, greater amounts than people who don't have ADHD. 75% um, of adults, it's estimated that have ADHD don't know it. So just understanding your relationship with food can sometimes start you down the path of a deeper, deeper exploration about how your brain is wired. Um, and then once knowing that, it's not that all of a sudden you're broken or there's something wrong with you. In fact, many people um, thrive from their ADHD. It can be a superpower for them if they know how, how to harness it. Uh, but when we're talking about weight gain and losing weight, um, just understanding those tendencies that go along with ADHD and then knowing how to navigate that and have a plan is really important. Um, so my first step in all of that is just look at your food tendencies. Uh, and, if, and if you have a question about some ways that uh, re the ADHD relates to weight gain, uh, I've got a PDF for that that I, I can share. Um, and then that can start the conversation with yourself. And then once you realize that maybe there's something deeper going on, uh, that's where I can step in and help to support you. Uh, so maybe I could talk about that a little bit. Um, yes, please. Yeah, so, so since I started my coaching work, I've helped hundreds of people maximize their health so that they can lose the weight for good. Um, I started off working with nurturers. Uh, so for example, people that love to give and give and give, and they have that open heart and they give to everyone and everything except for themselves, because it's a real challenge for them to do that. 
Um, so a lot of times they struggle with weight as well. So that's where I began my work. And then over time, what I, I started to figure out was that not only do I have ADHD, but a lot of my clients have it as well. And I was naturally attracting them. Um, mm -hmm. I would say about 80% of my clients over the years have had ADHD. Um, wow. So for those of you that want to find out more and, and really get some tips and strategies on how to take the next step, uh, I offer a free release the weight for good session. Nice. And, and that's where we discover what's really blocking you on your weight loss journey. And then I give you specific tips and strategies to you that'll help you move forward. Um, and then if it feels like a good fit and you wanna know how to work with me, I can share about my six elements of effective weight loss. Mm. Um, and so to reach out for me for that, all you have to do is send me a message on Facebook, or you could also, uh, message, uh, send me a, 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 an email at chriskentcoaching at gmail.com. Okay. So I will be tagging you on this in the comments so people can reach you on Facebook and repeat the Chris, Chris Kent at, so say your email again. Chris Kent coaching at gmail.com. Yeah. Okay. This is really great. Um, that's that's lovely. Free release the weight for good. So even though they don't know if they have ADHD or not, if they have an issue with weight, um, they can connect with you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, my coaching isn't just for people with ADHD. And what I found is that my methodology and my program uh, can be tailored to anybody. Um, in fact, mm -hmm. I, I just wrapped up my lose five pounds challenge on Facebook, and uh, I had. A lot of people join up for that. And I did live teachings every single day. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody who participated got great results in it. Um, and I didn't make a distinction between ADHD or non-ADHD. Right, exactly. That's why when I saw that you were niching on ADHD and looked at your uh, Facebook profile, I'm like, did I just make that up? <laughs> I know I read it somewhere. <laughs> But so, so glad that um, I was able to find you um, again, especially for this purpose. Um, and that PDF is the six elements. Uh, so that's my that's my program is the six elements of effective weight loss. But I do have a PDF uh, for five different ways that your ADHD may be uh, causing you to gain weight. Oh, wow. Okay, so this is really very generous of you to offer three separate things there. Thank you so much, Chris. Now, one question that keeps, uh, I didn't want to ask it and put you on the spot, but I had to ask it, so forgive me ahead of time. Do you know of long-term effects of Ritalin to adults? Long-term effects of Ritalin? I, I'm not too up-to-date on long-term effects of Ritalin, um, although I can am- Can people get out of it? Can, well, can I, people, I, I, or I was, is it a lifelong maintenance? Well, I, I, I've seen a little bit of both. So I'm part of a bunch of different ADHD support groups, um, mm -hmm. and it's kind of a mixed bag. I, I think some people, it's a necessity for them to function, and so mm -hmm. they, need, they need to be on it. Um, 
I have had a lot of people reach out to me that have said, I cannot be on this anymore. Like mm -hmm. it's been prescribed to me. I do not like the way it makes me feel. I feel sick. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm tired of, of what it's doing to my body. Um, mm -hmm. I want to find holistic ways to go about this. Uh, so for somebody like that, it, you know, they have that intrinsic motivation. They want to find holistic ways to do it. I, I support them with that. Um, but I think a lot of it just depends on you as an individual and your individual brain chemistry, really. Right, right. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, because, um, yeah, uh, and I, I do have my bias. Um, I couldn't take medication. I couldn't take Prozac or what, what, whatever it was that was prescribed to me when I was having my dark night of the soul. And also one of the things that was prescribed to me so I can't remember if I fired the doctor if, or the doctors fired me because I also refused to take uh, for thyroid medication. And when they say it, said it's a lifetime maintenance, I'm like, no, that's when I started dancing yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and healing myself the natural way. Um, and I was on thyroid medication. I was on levothyroxine for a while, just because, again, they didn't know what to tell me, and I have a family history of it. So they said, well, we'll see if it works, even though the test results didn't bear that out. Um, and I, I, would, I would say exactly what you're saying. It's like, take a moment and just say, maybe this pharmaceutical is a Band-Aid, and maybe mm -hmm. there are some other options that will address the root cause of what's wrong. Rather yeah. than just saying like I'm going to be on this pharmaceutical forever, um, mm -hmm. I don't I don't think everybody has to be on a pharmaceutical forever, um, and in fact I think the epigenetic research bears that out. You know, like I said, about 95% of chronic diseases can be prevented or reversed through lifestyle. Right, 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 right. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Any other final words you want to share with us? I, I just want to say how grateful I am for uh, you inviting me on the show and, and getting to reconnect with you. And uh, this has been great. And uh, yeah, I just, I love that, that lion behind you. I just have to say that again. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Christmas of 2019, I collared that. It's a huge poster that I collared oh, wow. myself. Oh, I ordered it online. Yeah. And it was calling in strength, calling in power, calling in courage, uh, because, you know, we were, was it 2019 or 2020? I think 2020, December of 2020. Like, I here I am wanting people to elevate their consciousness into soul power. Mm. And yet I also see people submitting to tyranny giving mm -hmm. away their power and like uh, where am i in this <laughs> why am i here on earth i don't know what to do so i uh, this was me calling in uh strength and power yeah uh and and that that knowing uh unshakable knowing that th mm. this is what I meant to do and this is what I'm doing and you cannot stop me. Wow. <laughs> well, I, I feel that coming through. I, I feel that lion courage, energy with the heart all wrapped up uh -huh. into one. And, and uh, I love this show. I love what you're doing. And uh, 
I hope this has been helpful to the people that listen. Yes, yes. Uh, I hope everyone got the message that you can take your life back. And if something is making you feel dull and impotent and just lifeless, there is a better way to live life and there's a better way to really take back your mind, take back your power, take back your voice. And one of them is through Chris. He's going to guide you through your, why are you gaining weight, you know, or why can't you get things done? Uh, there's a connection, neurological, psychological, physiological connection. So please ask, please raise your hand and ask. Because I did that too when I was having my dark night of the soul. And I did not limit myself to a medical intervention that says you have to do this. And if I did, I would be feeling numb and lifeless and might as well be dead. And that that's not life worth living for me. And that's for me. You got to find you. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Chris. <laughs> I know I, I share my biases here, but only to tell you that you are a unique imprint of the divine. Who you are is unique, irreplaceable, uh, un duplicatable and you got to find you and not just conform to the societal demands on your attention and energy so mm. your final words chris <laughs> just thank you <laughs> just gratitude <laughs> thank you so much thanks everyone for joining us see you again next week i hope you enjoyed this episode of Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Vergara. We can no longer be the spectators of our own destruction. Take back your mind, take back your voice, take back your soul, take back your power. Join me again next time for the next episode of Soul Power to the People.